Discipline, focus, mindset, getting things done. These are the topics that Kira and I both find ourselves coming back to again and again. And they're the things that we're trying to practice from day to day. And we're not alone. Lately, it feels like we're hearing from a lot of copywriters who are struggling with their own focus. Some are even dealing with things like attention deficit disorder. And none of this is new. There have always been distractions in the workplace. It's just that now that so many of us are working from home, we're easily distracted by family members, virtual school, spouses, partners, pets, any number of things that keep us away from the work that we do. And if that sounds familiar to you, you're going to like this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. Our guest is Dan Clark, the CEO of Brain FM. That's a music service that provides functional music designed to help you focus, sleep, and relax better. You might call it a Spotify for your brain. Dan talks about the science behind this unique music and how it relates to focus and flow state, neurodiversity, productivity, and managing your energy. But before we get to our interview with Dan, let me introduce my co-host for today's episode. It's Shanti Zach. Welcome back, Shanti. Thank you so much. I am very excited to be here and talk about one of my favorite things. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So uh, longtime listeners are going to remember your name, partly because it's been mentioned by so many people who've been on the podcast, but also because we interviewed you way back in episode 54, where we talked about building quiz funnels. And Shanti, you're a growth strategist. You're kind of known as the queen of quizzes. You're the founder of Empathy Marketing Ecosystem Agency. You're like the chief evangelist at Interact. You're doing so many things that like weren't even uh, in your, your mind when the last time we talked on the podcast. So I'm really stoked to have you back. Yeah, it's been a minute and I am stoked to be back. Plus you've had a couple of kids, three kids and yeah, you're doing, you're doing awesome, awesome stuff. So anyway, I'm thrilled to have you here. So I, we also need to make sure that you know that this week's sponsor is the Copywriter Club in real life. That's our annual event for copywriters. And this year it's scheduled for March 28th through the 30th in Nashville, Tennessee. It's not your average event. You'll hear from copywriters who should be familiar to you if you've listened to the podcast for a while. People like Mike Kim and Bridget Lyon and Ali Goulet and Jude Charles. But it's not just presenters. We know what it's like to show up at an event as an introvert. I mean, I'm an introvert. Kira's an introvert. Not actually know anyone. So we've structured the events that you can't leave without making a few friends. And among the 200 other copywriters that will be there, there's tons of opportunities to do that, to have people who will support you in your copywriting business. And I promise you'll leave with a notebook full of actionable ideas that you can use to grow your own business and improve your processes. If you're interested in that, go to thecopywriterclub.com forward slash TCCIRL dash 2022 to purchase a ticket now. You can find that link in our show notes. And Shanti, you actually, you, you, well, the first time you and I met in person was at the very first TCCIRL. Yeah. You know what? I was I was fidgeting with my fidget cube the other day that I won during the scavenger hunt that we did in That's right. New York City. And I was just thinking back to that time and how much fun it was. And I got to serenade Rye Schwartz with bohemian rhapsody and we just we laughed so much it was definitely stands out in my brain as one of the most magical experiences i mean both of the live 
or did I go to, have I been to three? I can't even keep track anymore. You've come to three because you were in San Diego too, because you had your interview in San Diego and you spoke on stage when we were in Brooklyn and gave this amazing talk where uh, you had, you had paddles or we had to walk across the room and people were (laughs) going from one side of the room to the other. It was was hilarious and it was a ton of fun. A a quiz from stage. Yeah. Exactly. It was great. It was so fun. Anyway, well, um, I, like I said, I'm thrilled that you're here to talk about some of this stuff. So let's get into our interview with Dan Clark and learn a little bit more about how he came to be involved with Brain FM. So to really start from the beginning, um, you know, when I was younger, I was bullied mercilessly, right? And um, my parents signed me up for martial arts and I'm getting my black belt and then teaching other kids on how to uh, be more confident and transform kids from being shy to leaders, right? And I was doing that for a while. I ended up um, getting involved in technology. Um, I made my first website when I was 13. And I made the Academy's uh, first website. They went from getting 20 leads a month to 120 leads a month, right? And before long, I, I had a little business making these martial arts websites and getting lead generation. And I kind of went from helping people transform and using martial arts as a vehicle to do that to let's just figure out what I can do with technology. And I really started optimizing for financial success. You know, I kept doing more complicated things, you know, selling and buying businesses, getting parts of businesses that I would help grow the next level. And it wasn't until I was a digital director of a company and selling TV and radio ads, which I actually realized that I wasn't really happy, you know? So on the outside looking in, I, you know, was making really good money. I was, you know, doing all the things. I was pretty young at the time. I was like 23 selling million dollar contracts. And I just felt like I wasn't doing my purpose, I, I so to speak. And then for another podcast, I had a near life or death situation. Um, I actually had a gun pointed at my face with one of my clients. Uh, what? Long story there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what happened was, you know, I, I used to sell TV and radio. A lot of that had to, you know, go to clubs and, and different kinds of things. And, uh, you know, we were leaving a club once and I actually had someone point a gun at me and it made me I, like, I actually thought I was going to die. Um, I didn't spoiler alert, but it made me really realize that my life got off track to what I really wanted to do, which is help people be the best version of themselves. So I actually, like three days later, quit my job um, to the chagrin of my parents and people around me um, and walked away from everything. And I said, how can I actually use technology and help people? Um, and I was looking around for three months and I remember trying Brain FM for the first time. So I was always very interested in tuning my focus, so to speak. Um, I used to work from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. Uh, because I found that that was that magic moment where I could find this this state where everything was effortless um, and I could just go. And, and now, you know, both of you uh, and listeners may uh, be familiar with now it's kind of called flow state, right? So I could find my flow state from that and that magic zone. And I've tried everything. So I tried nutrition. I tried nootropics, which are different kinds of vitamins you can take. Um, I've tried binaural beats and all these other kinds of things. And I remember seeing Brain FM And I was like, oh, well, this is probably binaural beats and this isn't going to really work for me, but I'll try it anyway. And it was like probably like around the afternoon, like 10 a.m., 12 a.m. or 12 p.m. And I remember putting it on and listening to it 
taking my headphones out for like an, an hour later and being like, holy crap, like this is going to change the world. I just want to be part of this thing. And it was the first time that I could actually control that flow state by triggering it, by just listening to music. And I was super skeptical. I remember like digging into the science, really seeing like, is this real? Is this not? Is this placebo? Right? What's going on? I changed my diet. I would do it at different times. And I eventually found like, wow, this is, this is something that anyone can listen to no matter what language you speak. And it works across all varieties of individuals based on our neuroscience. And we could talk about that later. But Andy ended up calling the company like 12 times. Um, they finally talked to me and I said, listen, I just want to work for free for you guys. Like I, I really want to be part of this thing. I will provide value in this company. And then I did that for about two to three months, ended up becoming lead of um, technology, building out their tech team. Um, I actually eventually became CEO. Um, and then a few years later, I ended up acquiring the company. So it's been a wild ride, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's really been fueled by this mission to help people be their best version of themselves. And what is a tool set that we can enable people um, to do just that? Okay. Yeah. Wild ride is maybe <laughs> an underestimate. Um, so as far as like a negotiation tactic, gun to the head, positive, negative, uh, it feels like maybe that doesn't work so well. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we all we, we maybe are familiar with that metaphor. It's like, hey, if you had to make a decision with a gun to your head or whatever, but um, here you talk about it, I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> that's maybe a bad metaphor. <laughs> maybe not the maybe not the best driver. Okay, so a real question though, um, I want to go back to you know your involvement with martial arts because uh, for sure we're gonna we're, we'll talk about you know what Brain FM does, but I've never been into martial arts. I know a few people who have, and they've talked about how it does help with like control and focus and even um, at least physically getting into a flow state. Will you talk just a little bit about your experience there? And you know, maybe is there something we can be doing physically that would help us before we start talking about some of the, the mental and, and environmental stuff that you do with brain FM? Yeah, of course. So I think, Martial arts, as well as other physical activities um, that are about precision, uh, really build this physical connection with our brain. So while you're practicing and while you're learning, what happens is you have more control of your 3D space around you, right? Like I'm, I'm actually, I, I don't practice martial arts daily anymore or weekly, uh, but I can still move my hand and stop it like an inch before, you know, the light in front of me if I wanted to, right? And, and I think what's interesting about that is the more you can understand about the, the space around you, um, it actually has some kind of translative effect into your brain, right? Into the way your mind is. And in, in martial arts, again, we use this as a vehicle to transform people. So a lot of people, you can't just tell them, hey, be confident, <laughs> you know? But what you do is you say, hey, let's take something that you're not good at, Right. Uh, maybe it's kicking, punching, you know, whatever. And then we teach you how to do it. And for the first time you realize you're like, wow, I'm actually good at this thing, right? Like I'm learning, I can see myself getting better. Um, and I think physically it's much easier to see that. So, you know, it, it doesn't have to be martial arts. It could be CrossFit or, um, you know, uh, something that's like more personal, but you know, if you can only lift a certain amount of weight and then, a month later, you can lift more weight, you can see progress. And I think that translates to the confidence that we elicit in ourselves, 
and then the ability to then explore that in different methods, like, you know, in our things that are not as tangible, you know, like our, our intelligence or our abilities, whether it be writing or speaking or whatever it may be. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely makes sense. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like there's this principle where success in one area translates into success in a lot of areas. And so, you know, being able to learn a new skill isn't just good for the new skill, but it's also good for your confidence in other areas as well. Yeah, that's a great summary. I would definitely agree with that. So I have, I have young kids. And so when you, you know, you shared your story about being bullied as a kid and then helping other kids go from shy, feeling shy or possibly being bullied to becoming leaders, you know, that really grabbed me. So I guess as a two-part question, you know, how did martial arts help you? Like, did you feel that change in you um, immediately? Did it take a while? How did that work for you? And then as a follow-up, you know, what would you recommend for parents today who are raising kids in this virtual environment where bullies are just all over the place? How can we help our kids with some specific examples? Yeah. um, And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to jump into this. Um, So I was bullied a lot, right? Um, To the point where I would cry every day before going to school. My parents would fight me and be like, you have to go to school. This is how it goes. And, and I think that's why they were searching for different tools on what they could equip me with to, you know, make things easier. Because that's what tools are, right? And um, we'll, we can kind of loop back on this when we talk about Brain FM. But, um, you know, I think the way martial arts helped me was, was twofold. Was one, it gave me some of the physical confidence to be able to stand up for myself, right? So what's, what's nice about martial arts is that it gives you confidence in your phys- physicality. It gives you confidence in jumping to different levels of like video games almost where you're like, I'm good at something, but it's also really good because it matches with this physical ability to defend yourself. So as you're getting better at really practicing to defend yourself. So if you stand up for yourself, you're like, well, I have something to fall back on in case this doesn't go well, you know? And, and I think, you know, in the beginning, I was kind of just humoring my parents to be completely honest. My brother really wanted to do it. And I ended up just going with him and I, I really fell in love with it and, and liked it. So probably for the first two years, it was just something like kind of cool that I was doing, but it didn't really see the effects um, because it was fifth and sixth grade that I was really bullied. But when I went into seventh grade, which was me going to a different classroom and a different selection of peers, that's when I was like, hey, I actually have the ability to change this. And I stood up for myself for the first time. And it was this this empowerment that, you know, it, it, it's, I'm actually extremely thankful for because it gave me the ability to realize as a child, I think, that if I want something or if I want to change something, I can just change it, you know? And, and again, standing up for myself for the first time allowed me to do stuff like that. So I would say that, you know, that, that's been a huge thing for me um, and I, for a lot of, you know, children um, and people. Um, even adults, like we used to teach Krav Maga to women and men, the results that people would experience were amazing. To the second part of your question, I think how to raise kids in, in this world. Um, so I'm not a parent right now, but that's definitely my future. And the things that I think about a lot is is creating, again, those right tools for parents to have for their kids, right? And then the right core values and how do you instill those in, in your children, right? So I guess this isn't finalized, but it's been something floating in my mind, so I'm happy to dive in. But if one of your core values for your children is is being curious, right, is being confident, 
is being able to express themselves. Um, you know, how do you have them go into practices that allow them to do that and be rewarded for such? And again, martial arts is one of those. Maybe art is another. Um, but I think, you know, figuring out how do you really equip your child with the right values and the right um, skills will allow them to really flourish. But also if they're, you know, blown off course from, you know, other individuals that are, you know, like people bully other people because they have their own wounds they're trying to heal. If they're equipped with understanding that, if they're equipped with um, being able to have these tactics, I guess, you know, I think that's something that could serve them. Yeah, I know Kira asked that question about kids, but it feels like there's an application here to even adults who are starting something new. Obviously, there are a lot of copywriters, freelancers who are entering into new situations all the time, like pitching a client or even starting out in business. And it feels like those same skills and ideas translate really well to what we're trying to do. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think anything you do for the first time is going to be scary, right? Whether you're a kid or you're an adult. But the cool thing is that we can get through it. And that that scariness is you hitting the bounds of your comfort zone. And as you push your comfort zone, you get a resistance, right? But when you break through it, that's how you become the next level of yourself. So it's uncomfortable. But if it was easy, everyone would do it. And, and I think that's something I think about all the time. Yeah. While we're talking about this, I want to ask about your approach to Brain FM. You're on the outside. You're basically begging for a job. And again, I see a lot of similarities to what we do as copywriters. You know, we find these ideal clients we want to work with, don't know how to break in. Will you just talk a little bit about, um, <laughs> I guess, the confidence, but also um, the stick that you had to have in order to get you know, the answer to get the job? What were you doing to foster that conversation? Yeah. So one of the best things anyone has ever told me was that no and not asking is the same thing, right? So if I don't ask, you know, a girl on a date, or if I don't ask a client to work for them, if I don't ask, you know, I'm never going to get a yes. <laughs> so I might as well get a no. And, and that's kind of one of the things that I was always um, looking for. So I was actually looking for a no. And and when I was, you know, talking to Brain FM, knocking on their, their door, I never got the no. So I kind of just followed up and followed up. And I realized that that's hard. Uh, it's challenging for, for some people because they're like, oh, they just don't want to talk to me. But I, I like to think about, you know, give them benefit of the doubt. So maybe they're busy. Maybe they have other things going on to them. Maybe they have all these other things. Until I get, uh, hey, this is not something that I'm interested in. I'm just going to keep following up in a very courteous, professional way and, and get that no, and then I can move on. But until I get that, if, if I said a no, then I'm doing a disservice to myself. So what was that moment when you were there working or working for free and you were like, I want to become CEO. I want to acquire this company. I am all in. This is my future. What was that moment? And then what did you do afterward to actually take action? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, unfortunately, I, I didn't have that as a plan, to be honest. The real thing that ended up happening was, you know, I went all in on, I'll work for this company for free and help them get to the next level. And I was like, oh, wait, there's some stuff here. And, and oh, there's some more stuff here. And there's more stuff here. And there's more stuff here. And what really has been the driving force has been the capacity to, like, what do we need to take Brain FM to the next level? Like, how do we serve 25 million around the world 
and help them be their best version on demand. And what happened slowly at the time was, you know, leading in technology, right? And then it was leading in some of the marketing stuff. And then it was ended up leading the company, right? And then it was something where I was like, you know what, I believe in this thing so much that this is something I want to take my home. I want I want to make my home, I guess, for however long it takes to achieve the goal. And um, then there was just, you know, financial and business sense to, to acquire the company. But it, it really, it, it hasn't been about the financial success or about the necessarily being CEO or not. It's It's more about what does the company need to be able to help more people? You know, that's something that's been a driving force for me this whole time. So let's talk a little bit about Brain FM and what it is. From an outsider's perspective, it feels like you're competing with, you know, Spotify or Apple Music or, you know, um, you know maybe uh, Sonos and, and some of those kinds of companies. But um, on the insider uh, perspective, I'm guessing that you see it a little bit differently. Totally, yeah. So, so starting from the top, Brain FM, we create functional music designed to help you focus, relax, and sleep better. So what we're doing is we're adding neuroscience with skilled musicians to create music that from the ground up shows that it can affect your brain, right? So affect your mental state. When you're listening to our music, it's designed to uh, change blood flow in your brain. Um, and, and it's something that is not only something we, we create from scratch, but we're doing it all with science-based principles. So we're testing all this stuff with Video games, we're testing this stuff with fMRI, which is um, looking at blood activity and where it's going in your brain and what parts of your brain it, it, it ends up moving to. We're doing this with EEG, which is electrical impulses, reading it from your brain. And what we're really trying to do is kind of align what people have been using music for thousands of years, right, for getting an, a certain state. And then we're trying to uh, build it, modernize that and saying, okay, well, why? How does this work? What knobs do we push and pull? And we're combining that together to basically have something that um, I press a switch in my pocket and I switch into focus when I want to, and I switch out of it when I am done. Um, and that's something that is really been able to be done for the first time. There's there's people that have tried this before with binaural beats and stuff, and we can talk about the differences in a little bit. But we've been able to not only uncover what knobs to you know fiddle with, but also um, we have patented a technology that is probably into more of the science. So I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, but we're we're really the leaders in this field, and we have you know funding from the government to do so. So in you know summary, really, it's uh, we are trying to create music to affect your brain and to help you control your state on demand. So can we talk a little bit about? the impact of the other options out there. So like, why should I maybe not listen to Spotify if I want to be in flow or the alternatives? What should we think about when we want to be in flow? Yeah, of course. So basically there's two types of music, right? There is art music with a capital A. um, And then there's this functional music, which, uh, you know, we're creating. And art music is, is really made for listening experiences. Um, a lot of the music that we're kind of finding on Spotify, the first purposes of that wasn't to elicit focus, right? It maybe just sounds like a good backdrop to listen to or, or for focus, right? At the end of the day, they're trying to find music that's appealing to people so that they listen to it more because that's how they financially win, right? 
And while having music uh, that you're listening to working, um, people are doing that to block out distractions, which is great. But there's there's certain effects of how the music is created that isn't aligned with the functional purpose, right? So I'll, I'll talk about first those controls, those different knobs, and then we can talk about our patents um, and the main difference between it. So there is music, um, if you look on all of music ever created, that is better for focus and less better for focus. And you can kind of think about it from, you know, heavy metal, <laughs> right, to maybe lo-fi or jazz or something like that. One of those is most likely better for focus, and it's it's the latter, right? But what we've done is, is we're looking at um, these different kinds of knobs that we're talking about. So one of those is salience, right? And salience is the difference of sounds, right? So what you'll find with Brain FM um, in comparison to Spotify is that all of the music actually is really long. So we have like 30 minute plus tracks. And what happens is, is um, one of the, the basics of that is every time the track plays or changes on Spotify, you'll find that a part of your attention realizes that the track is changing, right? Or there's a different background context to what you're happening. And even if you're not conscious to that, that actually is stealing some of your energy from your brain because that's how we're, our brains are made. You know, going back into, you know, 10,000 years ago when we're walking in a jungle and we hear a twig snap, it's because there's a lion in that bush and we got to run away, right? And it's that, that difference that alerts us. So it's kind of like a really loud bang going off from a car. You look at it and it's taking your attention. So even in a, in a much more subtle way, it's still taking some of that attention right? So we have this salience uh, that we're applying to music that allows us to make it so that your attention is forward. Another thing that we do is uh, we have no lyrics in music. And this is probably obvious, but if you're hearing lyrics that you can understand and decipher, part of your brain is trying to translate that even if you're not paying attention. You, You know, there's no such thing as not listening. So, and a great example of this is if you're in a party and someone across the room says your name, you, you all of a sudden hear it. And it's not, it's not that, you know, your, your brain is always listening to that stuff. It's just that it comes to the forefront of your consciousness or your attention, right? So that's one thing that we do. Um, and then finally, another thing we do um, from the knob standpoint is actually some really cool technology um, called 3D sound. And we actually make it so that it sounds like the music is coming, at least for our focus, coming in front of you. So that it's drawing your attention to the work in front of you. In comparison to our sleeper relax music, some of those actually, uh, the 3D sound moves back and forth, almost like you're in a hammock and, and, and rocking you to sleep sometimes. And that's just some technology that, again, it'd be kind of weird for, for music to have that for Spotify and things like that, because it's not designed for that purpose. And then finally, we have all these patents that we're developing, right? And the way we look at Brain FM is we're actually um, a modulation company. So we're a brain modulation. So what we're trying to do is get you into that state. And upon all of our research, we discovered that by adding um, amplitude modulations to music in certain kind of frequency ranges, we're able to basically align the functional networks of your brain to communicate more effectively together, allowing you to switch into your mental state with much more ease. And by Doing all of these together, we're able to create a a thing or a product that is 
more usable, right? It's more approachable. And it's also something that can be measured with science. And that's, that's the really uh, fun and exciting thing that, you know, we're, we're building uh, here at Brain FM. Yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the science. Um, I'd love to go deeper on this. And, you know, in the back of my mind, the reason I'm really interested in this, you know, when I was a new parent long ago, uh, there was this product called uh, baby Mozart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've probably seen, seen the videos, whatever, bright color toys or whatever, and then kind of dumbed down Mozart that would play on these videos for, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes. And you were supposed to put your kids in front of the TV and it would stimulate brain development. And they said that there was all kinds of science behind it. And then it turns out that the science wasn't actually that defensible, you know, maybe it helps, maybe it doesn't, you know, lots of questions. And, um, you know, for those of us who put our kids in front of the TV and tolerated the, the, horrible versions of, of that music you're just like wait we just listened to that stuff for you know two years and, and it didn't really help so I, i'm curious like how serious is this science and what does it really help us do in our brains to accomplish more yeah let's dive in so let's talk about some of the differences in these approaches before so mozart music is a great example you know we have those isochronic and binaural beats which is another one and then you know we have the stuff that we're doing so a lot of the stuff that Mozart music and and these other kinds of platforms did was create music that elicits effects that can be seen. And they say, cool, this is great. Let's go. Let's stamp this and, 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 and sell this thing, right? And, you know, even the person that created like Brian Earl Beats, for example, they actually um, later disproved that and said, hey, this isn't really a thing that has a lot of effects. Um, there are some but not for long term. And and I guess let me give more context to all, all of this stuff on what it is. So binaural beats, for example, is when you play one frequency in one ear and one frequency in another. And what happens is as you're listening to this music in your brainstem, that combines to create an amplitude frequency, which then through a process of entrainment or basically um, matching, it basically spreads through your brain, Right. And the challenges with that specific example is your brainstem is one of the earlier parts of your brain, which makes it less effective on basically creating those entrainment properties, right? Where Brain FM, because we're doing amplitude modulations directly in the music, we're able to entrain higher cortical functions, which allows us to have a greater depth of resolution, allowing someone to feel effects in five minutes rather than 30 or an hour but also allows us greater depths of control. For the Mozart music, which is mostly classical music, uh, it was based off of leading research at the time. It really was you know, marketed as, you listen to this music to make your baby smarter, right? But in reality, you know, as we're learning more about neuroscience in the years, it's actually real- finding that it's not about necessarily some of the music. It's about what the music is transformed to in your brain into electrical impulses and then how that spreads throughout. What's really interesting about neuroscience, right, is, and, and my, we have neuroscientists on our staff. So our doctor always tells me that we know more about Pluto than we know about the brain, right? Because there's still so many things that we have theories on, but we're not really sure on. Um, and that's actually why science is so important here is because one, I'm a user first and I want, I want a product that I use every day, right. To get better. But then two is, is we need to make sure that we understand more about this because this is kind of like 
hitting the the boundaries of neuroscience and really figuring out how our brain works. And it's 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 really finding that. So, you know, with with us, we, you know, we we talked about some of their patent stuff, the modulations. Some of the other things is is, you know, how do we learn more? So uh, we actually have funding from the National Science Foundation from the US government to basically say, hey, there is something here. Let's figure this out, right? Um, and this is specifically about ADHD and about how to help people with music to have you know effects of of controlling those those things. Um, we actually have a paper that we've developed from that research um, in Review in Nature right now, which is one of the top scientific journals, and it shows that if you know someone has certain kinds of uh, tendencies or, or neurodiversity, right? If we understand that, we can actually build better experiences for people. And what's interesting about specifically ADHD is it's not you have it or you don't. It's a spectrum, right? And I think it's like 40% of Americans or 40% of the population actually has some level of ADHD um, and only 20% are actually diagnosed. So there's a lot of stuff that we're trying to really push with science and really understand so we can make a better product. And the idea is if we make a better product, more people will use us so that we can invest more in science, make a better product. And it's a, it's a loop upwards. So Rob's talking about baby Mozart. And I think when my oldest daughter was a baby, we let her listen to Walking Dead. We just watched the show Walking Dead and we were <laughs> That's, yeah, a little different. that would help her. We opted out for baby Mozart. I'm glad we did and leaned into Walking Dead instead. Uh, so I, when you were talking about 3D sound, that sounds so cool. I've never thought about that. And where the sound is coming from and how that impacts your work. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how you do it and the importance of it? Yeah. So 3D sounds really interesting. Um, how do I not go into too much science? So <laughs> the ear, if you think about it, is actually extraordinary. So when we talk about how you can see things, right, um, it's pretty simple to understand where, you know, or simple-ish, where you know, light is reflecting off of surfaces that is directly getting hit into our eye, right? And then we have receptors that are kind of like seeing pixels, right? That then translate that to electrical impulses into our brain and so we could see things. So it's 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 kind of like you can follow, you can make see that and make sense. But what's really interesting about hearing is that you're, all you're hearing is vibration. So you have 3D vibrations all around you, right? And your ear is taking that and transcribing it into an analog wave, I guess, because your eardrum vibrates, right? And then from your eardrum, in the electrical impulses, we're able to basically divide that and um, create, you know, semblance of the world through, you know, is something three feet away from me or 10 feet away? Is it on my right side or my left side, Right. And then, you know, how does it work? One of our, and I, I talked about this, this thing earlier, but our neuroscientist, um, our head neuroscientist that works for us, his name's uh, Dr. Kevin J.P. Woods. And his thesis for his PhD was basically the cocktail party problem. And it was, you're in a busy cocktail party. And how can you hear one conversation, but then you hear on the left something you're interested in and you shift your ears focus That's so hard. <laughs> to, to the left side, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because with your eyes, you just look that way. But with your ears, you just think that way, you know? So it, it's very interesting. And there's tons of papers that we can talk about on this. 
and again, that's one of the reasons why we, we snagged Kevin to, to work with us, um, which we're really um, happy and excited for. But, you know, it's, suffice to say that um, it's all about timing. So when you hear things in your ears, you can think of, you know, on the right side, you're going to hear that sooner than your left side and your left side, you know, vice versa. But in front of you is really interesting. And I, I can't actually go into the acoustic differences like, you know, someone like Dr. Woods could. But um, suffice to say that what we do is we kind of take advantage of these different kinds of, um, you know, acoustic properties. And we've tested it with thousands and thousands of people to know that, hey, this is the correct place to have sound coming from you if you're trying to focus, right? Um, so in our, in our platform, we actually have focus, relax, and sleep. And then we divide it into activities. So under focus is deep work is learning, is creative. And what we're doing is we're using 3D sound to support those activities while adding different things of genre or different things of modulation or timing, BPM, like all of this. And we're basically combining it all to make a product that you press a button and you get to get what you want. All right, so this is a great place to cut in and talk about some of these, uh, some of the stuff that Dan's been sharing. Shanti, did anything jump out immediately to you um, from what Dan's been talking about? Oh my gosh! Well, I am interested in this martial arts connection and his story of experiencing all of this bullying as a child and how that's influenced him as an adult. That stood out to Kira too, like. Maybe there's something about being a mom. Right, because you can't imagine your your child going through that. And at the same time, you can see if, well, I think we've all had experiences of being bullied where you know it makes you stronger in the end. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I loved how when Dan was talking about, you know, martial arts, I could almost envision, you know, going through like the motions of it and how it incorporates the space around you. And I know I mentioned I've never done martial arts, you know, other than sort of watching, you know, the karate kid or, or what, if that even counts, but um, it's just interesting to me how much space uh, plays a role in, in that whole activity and being involved in your space. It's probably a little bit like yoga that way. Yeah, absolutely. And having, I think we'll get into this more, but having a connection around what's going on in your body too, and how that influences your brain. Totally. Yeah, totally makes sense. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, Cause you're like a yoga master, master. master. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> you, I, I know. I mean, you even like, if I remember right, you trained in India, you know, to at least to learn some yoga. So that's yeah. true. And I do I do love me some yoga for yeah, sure. So, so tell me more about that because to me, yoga is like a way to make me sweat for 15 or 20 minutes and then start swearing because I can't really do <laughs> like so hard. Um, but yeah, talk, tell, like talk a little bit about like that connection. And all yeah. That. Well, part of yoga, the biggest part of yoga and I imagine martial arts too, is finding the present moment and, and being able to, just be with your breath and your body and your mind and what's going on in your head. Like I'll start a yoga practice and I've got this crazy woman upstairs who's yelling at me to do all the things. And, and she's a bully. Holy, 
she's aggressive sometimes. And the more I breathe, the more I consciously slow down and get connected to my heart and move out of my head, the more I'm able to just be present. And actually that's so connected to the ability to focus because what takes us away from focus is often just that mental chatter of this, this unnecessary commentary that's not even useful or true most of the time. Yeah. And I, I know that there's going to be a connection to, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about the music and how that plays into it too. But just the idea of being able to calm the chatter, like that resonates in so many ways and is one of those things that stands in our way of getting so much done. Yeah. Right. So yeah, super cool that, uh, yeah, that experience with martial arts and it makes me want to give, give karate a go or something. There you go. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that stood out to me um, was when Dan talked about how he fell in love with Brain, M, Brain FM and just wanted to be involved and how he, you know, he called them, I don't know, like 10, 20 times. He's offering to work for free. He's doing everything that he possibly can to, to get involved in this dream that he realized he had. And you know, as I apply that to, to my own experience or to you know, some someone who may be listening and thinking, okay, what does it really take to succeed? Looking for the opportunities to not take no, um, or especially if somebody hasn't said no, but they haven't said yes, to just keep on keeping on until it becomes a yes. And I think there's a, a huge lesson that a lot of us can take from Dan's experience, just getting that first job inside Brain FM. Yeah, I'm one of those people who I don't even ask most of the time. So to see he's like, just keep asking until you hear a clear no is, I mean, it's inspiring because, yeah, you don't know until you know. And to not ask is a no. Exactly. Yeah. So how does that play out like with some of the things that you've done? Because you've worked with some pretty amazing people. How have you, you know, not looked for the no or just kind of moved ahead until you know, people said yes. Well, I've certainly put myself in that uncomfortable place of asking even when I don't want to. I probably talked about that on our on the podcast I did with you guys, like that cold pitching experience of making the ask. But to be totally honest, once I built some momentum in my business, I totally stopped doing that. I, I didn't do cold outreach after a certain point. It just, I just started getting referrals and people started coming to me or someone would make an introduction and, and it started to be pretty easy in that way. But at the same time, I wasn't necessarily stretching my comfort zone and asking and, and thinking like, what dream client can I reach out to? So it's funny because um, Dawn, who's on my team, she took Brie Weber's course. I'm not sure if you've ever had her on the podcast. Yep, she we have. Did a, yeah. She's got a cold pitching course. So Dawn did it. She made a list of dream clients we have for the agency. And it's on our, it's on our sort of, business vision board to start doing that again. So I, I'm, I'm a little nervous, but 
this is a good sign that we can keep asking until we get the no. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting too, when you talk about that, because when you were doing your own thing, it took the, you know, going after it and over and over and over. And then you get to that point where you start getting the referrals, you're sort of known for the thing that you're known for and it flattens out. And now you've got the agency, you are sort of back in that beginner mode again, where you've got to do the asking again until you get to the point where it just kind of grows on its own. And so it's, it's maybe the kind of thing that happens over and over. There's a cycle that we go through where sometimes it's, it's the only thing that works. And then, you know, the business starts like a flywheel supporting itself. Yeah. To make a martial arts and Gary V metaphor, the jab, 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 punch. Maybe it's like discomfort, discomfort, discomfort. Okay. Now you can chill for a bit, but it's going to start all over again. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That there's probably a podcast just in that idea. I like that. <laughs> So let's also talk a little bit about um, the music. I, you've tried Brain FM. I've been using it for the last few weeks since we talked to Dan uh, about a month and a half ago. And I got to say, I, I love it. Like it really does work in a, in a way that's very different. You know, usually when I'm uh, working, I would throw on some jazz and it's almost always jazz because I don't want to hear the words. And, you know, Dan mentioned that, you know, if you hear the words, your brain is, is, focusing in on those. So I could just let the music go, but I didn't realize like the stops and starts and the different um, melodies and tunes and the different impact that that has on my listening too, until I switched over. And uh, I mean, it, it's true. Like in five or 10 minutes, my ability to focus changes. And I know this is sounding like an ad for Brain FM. Uh, maybe Brain FM isn't the thing that does it for you know somebody who's listening, something else does, but just the um, using a tool to get into that kind of a flow state is really helpful when you've got a focus. What was your experience when you tried BrainFM? Yeah, you know, I haven't been using it lately, but I think the reason is I've been doing less actual heavy writing lately. So, but, but for years I used it anytime I had a big writing day where I've got to sit down and spend five, six hours working on an email sequence or a quiz. And it would, it was almost like a subconscious trigger for me. And I only ever used one track. I never used any of the music. I only ever used focus and water. And it was like a subconscious trigger. I would put that on, put my noise canceling headphones on and it, and my brain knew when that happened, it was time to focus. I would use the timer function too, so that they have like a 30 minute, 60 minute, 90 minute, and I'd put that on. And then when it stopped, that was on like a Pomodoro, essentially, I would know to get up, take a break. And, and it was so helpful in that way. And the, the more I used it, the stronger that became. I love that. And I haven't actually tried it with the the Pomodoro. I always just turn it on infinity and just kind of listen until I'm done. But now that I think about it, I'm like, maybe I should be doing it in those 30 minute breaks and take the quick break and come back. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Well, it's a weird experience. That water one in particular, I would turn it on and when it, when it shut off and I took the headphones off, it was, it, it was like an altered state. It was like I was high or something. Uh, yeah. 
it's so cool. I, yeah. I mean, again, yeah, I, I know, again, sounding like an ad for it, but just the way it changes your brain, your ability to think or focus is, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. No, I stopped using it. I don't, and I got to get back into it because I, I certainly still have things I need to actually focus on and do deep work with. But now my background music is, um, yeah, random, chaotic playlists full of of lyrics that you want to stop and contemplate. And that's that's not ideal. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, let's go back to our interview with Dan and listen to what uh, he says about um, some of how he plans for the business at Brain FM and his own um, productivity schedule. So if we're talking about you know, sound in space. If we're using a product like Brain FM, should we be listening to it through headphones so that it's, you know, happening you know, right outside our ears? Or do we need to set up the speakers in our offices, you know, in the, whatever space we work in, in order to put the sound in the right place? Like how much thought as a consumer do I need to put into that to make sure that it's working for me? Yeah, great question. So it, it actually is interesting. So the highest fidelity you're going to ever find is on headphones. But it actually matters what mental state you're listening to. And this isn't exactly how the neuroscience works, but let's just uh, kind of make it an abstraction, make it easier. So if you think about your brain resting, right, the way your brain communicates itself is through oscillations, right? It's through this pulsing. And if your brain is trying to focus from a relaxing state, your brain has to talk to itself faster, so to speak, right? So it kind of speeds up. And what you'll hear in a lot of our focus music and our different kinds of activities inside that, the music is is not necessarily faster, but the modulations inside of it are faster. So what's happening is from this core technology um, of Brain FM is these, again, these frequencies, and it's not modulating frequency, it's modulating the amplitude, right? But uh, what will happen is these these patterns that we're adding to music um, they're really, really fast. And what's happening is it's syncing your brave to match them, right? So with focus, you definitely want to use headphones. And if you have noise canceling headphones, the effects are going to even be better. Um, and it's really nice because it kind of builds a cocoon almost for you where you're like, okay, I'm in focus mode and you go, right? And it has some masking qualities in case you're in noisy environments. But if you compare that to some of our relax or our sleep, we're not trying to you know, speed your brain up, we're actually trying to bring it down a little bit, right? So that it's slower. And because of that, you can actually use relax or sleep off of speakers and have the same kind of effects. Because when it's going in a room, it doesn't matter if it necessarily bounces off different kinds of things. But you're always going to have the best effect. So really, what I always tell people is, is definitely for focus, use headphones. And for the other ones, really experiment what is best for you. Because if you can sleep with headphones, then power to you. I know I can't. <laughs> so I threw it on a, a Bluetooth speaker myself and um, I get the same effects and, and have a great experience. Can we talk about the impact and what this could do for all of us? And maybe if you could share an example of what surprised you the most in your own life, something you were able to do or stop because of Brain FM, and then even just expanding upon that maybe something that surprised you, a story that a community member shared after they used this tool and what they were able to do? Yeah. So one of the biggest things for my life has been being able to control my focus state. Um, I didn't realize at the time, but I actually could control 
being a, a morning person or a night owl for the first time. So, you know, forever I was a night owl, right? And after being able to understand that, oh, I can just wake up and put this on, I've actually trained my brain to wake up at 7 a.m. no matter what, right? Um, and I never thought that it was possible. So that's been, you know, exciting for me. Um, so now I, I usually jump into my flow state around 8.30, 9 o'clock, and then get into this, you know, this full productivity pattern, which if we have enough time, I can, I can talk about. Other things that we've heard from community is, has been really outstanding. So we have uh, a whole love letters channel. So if you ever write in how much you love Brain FM, it'll be posted internally. And, and there's a lot of different things. So some people are like, wow, this is amazing. This is, this is the great, greatest thing ever. What kind of black magic is this? Like, how are you doing this? You know, um, cause it's, it's a really experiential product. But then we have really deep ones. So we have some people that, you know, have struggled with PTSD for, you know, years and they can't sleep and they're on different kinds of medications and, you know, all these things. And they say, I listened to Brain FM last night and I slept the first time like I was 10 years old. And, you know, they create videos for us and they're crying and they're like, thank you so much. You know, um, we have other people that, you know, have been told that they're never going to do well in school. You know, and, and, and some people, specifically parents, use this for their kids, which have high, high amounts of ADHD or they can't focus or other people on uh, or kids on neurodiversity like autism, right, or Asperger's or something like that. And they're like, thank you so much um, for this and, and really dive into that. And it's allowed us to understand that there's actually different modalities that we can really go in here. So you know, while we're not focusing on it right now, because, um, you know, we have some other really exciting things that we're doing, we know that we can help kids sleep better. So maybe the next evolution of Mozart music, we know we can help people with uh, neurodiversity, really figuring out that we actually um, have some semblances and understanding that we can help people with Alzheimer's potentially. And it's really amazing, because we can help a lot of people. And I think the hardest part as a business owner is really figuring out like, okay, I want to help everyone, but if I help everyone at the same time, it's going to be not effective. Like I have to figure out one thing to focus on, <laughs> pun intended, I guess, um, to be able to really help people. And, and that's what we're doing here. So I don't know if this is possible or not, but um, because we're not sitting in a studio with you, but I would love to like talk through some very specific examples or, or, you know, hear the music that we would do for say focus, you know, for sleep or whatever. Can you tell us a little bit about those things? And then, uh, hopefully you can maybe send us some samples that our editor can drop in so we can take a listen to what some of these things sound like. Yeah, I'd love to do that right now. I'm going to play some focus music. And now <laughs> um, you can you can get a sense of what that sounds like, right? And and what you're listening to the music is is actually um, something that's made to make it sound good that you actually want to listen to. But as you listening to the music, it actually meshes into the background. And I kind of think of this as the world's most advanced background music, right? Um, you'll sign in that music that it's stimulating and it's it's exciting to listen to. But there's a small pulsing, which you have to really focus on to listen to. Um, and that's actually some of those, those patterns that we've talked about. 
Now, if we switch from that focus music to a relaxed session, and, and here we can listen to it right now. So you'll find in this example that the music is a little bit slower, right? Um, it's kind of a smaller pulse that you'll, you'll hear, but it also has different kinds of things that we attribute to relaxation. So what we're trying to do is, is combine um, all these scientific properties that we're talking about and also things that we want to feel relaxed in or, or uh, what, we, what we attribute to relaxation. So there's some psychology as well as science in all of this and, you know, to be able to create this product. And then finally, um, and this is, you'll hear very similar uh, things to relax already, but here's some of our sleep tracks. You can hear in a difference between all of these tracks that sleep is really the slowest one, um, that it's uh, moving slow. I kind of think of it these really long pulses. Um, and that's really designed, again, to slow your mind down. If you can ever relate to laying in bed and having all these thoughts and all of these concerns and things like that, I kind of call that our monkey mind, Right. What we're trying to do with our sleep music is really calm your monkey mind, you know, try to calm everything. So instead of thinking about things, you can clear your head and, and go to sleep. But what's really cool about this music specifically, and I, I don't think I went over this before, is this music is all designed to work in five minutes. So it's not something that you listen to for 45 minutes and be like, oh, did I hear it? Did I do it yet? It actually starts working in the first 30 seconds and it ramps from there. And it's something that um, as you listen to, it's, it's, it's an effect that is measured, but is, is approachable and is easy. So it's designed to work every single time, whether you're a first-time user or this is your hundredth time using it. Very cool. Well, let's, let's talk about the productivity. I think you said productivity time. I know that's something that you know copywriters, we all struggle with productivity. Can you talk a little bit more about how what that looks like in your own day as a CEO, as a busy CEO uh, running this company, how you think about and approach productivity time and your own schedule? Yeah, of course. So I think the biggest thing I would say is that it's all about the habits that we train in ourselves, because that's the only difference, right? I, actually, I would say habits and tools. So the difference between you know humans now and 10,000 years ago is not our biology. It's actually just the technology that we have. And what's up to us, I think, in this you know time is, is actually finding the technology that best suits um, what we need to do. So for me, I am constantly ch tinkering and changing and things like that on different kinds of techniques. And, and I realize that the only difference between, you know, myself and a CEO that I look up to, right, is probably like 1%, right? It's not, it's not that he doesn't need to eat food. <laughs> it doesn't that he has the same human desires that I have. It's the habits that he builds and the tools that he acquires. So for me, what I do in, in my productivity time is I actually first thing off is block my calendar. So you cannot book me anytime before 11 a.m. Uh, usually, sometimes I make some, some changes for podcasts like this one. But what I do is I always, I always block that part of my day out. 
And, and what I'm starting with is I wake up and I have a habit of, you know, showering, doing all that stuff, sitting down with a nice coffee. And then I turn on Brain FM. And with Brain FM, I do two specific things. First, I do creativity. And creativity inside of our focus category is really made to elicit, um, you know, being creative. But it's also made for goal setting, ideation, different kinds of flow starting. Um, and that's where I start my day. I take out a piece of paper and I write down, how do I feel, right? And I find that if I brain dump everything on my mind, it really creates clarity so it doesn't distract me for what I'm going to have to do, you know? So I write everything personally and professionally down. Oh, I have to tell my mom to do this, you know, whatever it is. And I write it down so I don't have to have those thoughts trigger me throughout the day. Then I write down, what do I have to do today? What are the top items that would make today a success? And I write those down. Um, and then once I feel like that's good, and I spend probably no more than 15 minutes doing both of those things, I switch into deep work. And I try to do a 90-minute session of the top priorities that I have. So for writers, it may not be switching in deep work. It may stay creative, or it may be even actually switching into learning, You know, really figuring out, depending on the topic and who you are as a person. Um, and then uh, what I try to do is I do that actually every single day. Um, there, there are some things that you've probably heard of where um, you want to do the hardest things first in the day. So that's one of the reasons why we want to do that. But there's also things on doing it per week. So what I try to do is I do the hardest things on Mondays and Tuesdays, some of the easier things on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and Fridays are more of some of my free-floating days. And what I'm really conscious of is the energy it takes from my mind to do activities. And at the end of the day, we are machines. We only have certain much energy reserves. And what I'm trying to do is align the tools that I have with the habits to be able to get the most return on the energy um, throughout the day and week. Yeah, I, I love thinking about all of the stuff, energy management, being productive. You know, as we think about trying to get into a flow state more often, and you know, maybe it's maybe all we muster is, you know, 60 minutes a day or whatever. We talked a little bit about at the top of the podcast how space can impact that. Obviously, music uh, and what we're hearing impacts that. Are there other things, Dan, as you think about getting yourself into a flow state that you're you're taking advantage of? Uh, I, I, you might have mentioned nutrition and nootropics and some of that stuff early on, but what else plays a role in making sure that you can achieve that flow state and accomplish more? Yeah, so there, there's this really interesting thing, and, and I think I've, I've mentioned some things around it, but our brains actually are mirroring or matching the environments that we're in all the time. So... That's kind of why you go to a spa and you hear relaxing music and it's very like calm, the lights are low, because it's all created to build um, relaxation in your mind, right? Brain FM is doing the same thing with, with sound. It's one of the, the easiest ways to induce uh, certain kinds of rhythms in your, in your brain, the matching. But if we go beyond Brain FM, uh, it's really about the environment you're in, like you're saying. So it's about having a clean desk, right? About having, um, you know, a place that feels great to you. You know, I, it's funny. I used to be, uh, when I was traveling, I, I never really had a ha home. I was kind of a digital nomad. And until I actually got a desk, I realized like, wow, this is super important because it allows me to feel like I'm in a safe and, 
and a creative place. And you don't necessarily need a desk to do that. But what you do need is to find the things that allow you to feel grounded. And that could be maybe not through desks, you know, maybe you're not into that thing, but it could be through getting a green tea and starting your day with that, you know, and, and there's actually really interesting things about combining tools like Brain FM and psychological things like triggers, right? Which allow us to tell our brain almost in a Pavlonian way that, hey, it's time to focus or be creative now. So when I'm going through my day, um, one of the things I'm very aware of is, is actually is sound, obviously, right? Is the environment that I'm in, like what things am I exposing my brain to, right? So one of the things I think a lot of people are guilty of, and I am myself sometimes, which I try to be better, is if I know that I'm about to perform, whether it's, you know, a podcast like this or like a, a really deep, um, you know, focus mode, I try not to look at social media. I try not to put any negative thoughts or anything in my head because that's going to actually set me up for failure, right? Where I'm more set up for success if I'm like, okay, today is an amazing day. This is what I have to get done today. Let's go, right? And then I can look at that stuff later because nine times out of 10, that doesn't affect my life, right? And I think it's about really setting the scene for, you know, physically for your success and then also mentally and combining those both together. I love that. And as soon as you mentioned a clean desk, I looked at my desk and I was like, this is not clean. <laughs> this, this, I was judging. <laughs> I was judging myself. Yeah, definitely judging myself. Um, so my last question around just kind of a CEO question before we start to wrap is uh, you mentioned earlier on that you ask yourself, what does the company need to help more people? And I think that's such a powerful question for all of us as mm -hmm. CEOs. And so how, how do you break that down? It's such a big question, an important question. Like, how do you reconstruct that so that you know what the right thing is to do in your own company? Yeah, great question. So the way I like to think about this is Google Maps, right? So a lot of us are operating street level, right? And it's not until we actually zoom out sometimes, like to the next level, like state level, right? That we actually know where we're going, right? And, and that's usually how we set goals is we're in one city or one street and we want to go to another street. So we look out, I guess, city level, right? We say we're going north, south, west, whatever, right? And then as we set farther goals out, we zoom up even more, we go state level, right? And then if you zoom out more, it's country level. And then you're on, you know, earth, right? And what I try to do is first set out like really strong, vivid vision. It's something uh, by Cameron Harold. And he talks about basically imagining yourself in the future, but not like, oh, I, you know, this is how much money I'm making or whatever. It's more like, imagine where you're sitting. Imagine the conversations that you have around you. Imagine what people say about you and your company. Imagine, and you really create this vividness of where are we going? And I kind of think about this like country level, right? Like a five or 10 year play. And then out of that, what I do is I break down and create core values for the business. So it's what does Brain FM stand for and believe in, right? Uh, we have we have you know core values of something called Kaizen, which is a uh, constant, never ending improvement. We have uh, user first, so you know obviously you've heard that we're really obsessed with helping people and making a, a product that delivers on that. So that's one of them. 
we can go through the others, but basically we're creating these, these core guiding principles for this is what the business looks like in 10 years from now. This is what we're doing. We're affecting and we're helping 25 million plus people around the world. And then what I do from there is I zoom in a little bit, knowing that I'm going in this direction and say, okay, this is what I need to do in three years to be able to affect that, right? To go in the same path. And then I, you know, have some kind of vividness around that. And then I say, okay, this is what I'm doing for the next year, right? And if I can do all of these things, then I'm going to hit that 10-year mark and help those 25 million people. But what I need to do, focus on right now is getting to five, you know? And it really allows me to stay focused, to really figure out like, is this, you know, this fire that comes up, does this actually matter? Or is this something that is a distraction? And uh, I think when you put things in perspective that way, it really allows us to make better decisions and uh, put energy where it should be. Uh, I was just going to wrap here, Dan, but listening to you talk about that uh, kind of triggered a last question for me. And that is, you know, as you are operating in the CEO role and trying to think bigger, do you work with a coach? Are you working with other resources? How do you make sure that you're playing at the top of the game and getting the inspiration that you need to lead your company as best you can? Yeah, great question. So it's funny. So it's December when we're recording this right now, and I am redoing that practice right now. So I actually just yesterday reset the vivid vision for 10 years from now, right? Realigned it. And I, and I actually wrote down in my journal and I can just read it right now is what are the things that I need to do to make sure that I hit that? Right. So it's, it's actually, I think a few things. One is um, creating intentional space. That's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the past few years is saying something is a priority and saying, I will get to it eventually never happens. <laughs> um, but if you put it on your calendar and you say, Hey, I'm going to work on this for, you know, four hours this time, at least you worked on it for four hours that time. And it lets you move towards that goal. So I really believe in creating intentional space and, and the ability to do that. And even sometimes conversations with other people, I, I believe that, you know, being able to discover and having the, the time and the opportunity to research is really important. And then, and then definitely hiring coaches and consultants. So, you know, I think it's a, a practical thing that we always, um, I don't know, we, we want to figure it out, right? But when you really dig into that, that's sometimes our ego. When there's people that, that want to help you, right? There's people that, 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 that are there, that they have done, they've rode the roller coaster before. And I really look for coaches and and for consultants to come in and, and really guide us in that and really make sure I'm staying on track where if I say, hey, I want to help 25 million people. And then I go to my coach and I say, and this is why I think I'm going to do it or, or not why, how? And he goes, well, what about if you just did this, this and this? It could save us a year, right? And and, and s- some things like that are really important. And then finally, I think it's it's really, really important to have check-ins. So one of the things at Brain FM, and I know I'm really diving into this, but I very much care for everyone listening to this podcast, whether you use Brain FM or not, is how do you achieve your goals, right? And I think one of the biggest barometers of, of doing that is not saying I'm achieving them or I'm not. It's actually adding a third level of, well, how far away am I? So one of the things that we do here at Brain FM is uh, we do red, yellow, and green. So when I talk to my leaders, I don't say, hey, are you achieving it or not? I say red, yellow, green. And green means, yep, we're on track or we're beating it, right? Sometimes we say super green, but that doesn't really matter. It's just green. <laughs> um, sometimes it's yellow. So we're not there yet, but we're close. 
or red, we're just not on the mark. And it allows us to really have deeper conversations of how can we improve? How can we change it? And, um, you know, I, I got this because you hear diets, right? It's, it's people are in, in their diet, they're totally off or they're totally on, right? And uh, I think it's just really important to have that kind of barometer for success. Um, this is actually something by Alex Hermosi, um that uh, is really effective. Yeah, we may need to test the red, yellow, green exercise in our team discussions too. I really, I like that. And, you know, you've, talking to you has motivated me to shift from nonstop holiday music to Brain FM. So um, <laughs> I'm going to make the shift. Can you share for any listeners who are also ready to test and try Brain FM, where can we go? You know, how do we, how do we um, jump into this? Yeah, of course. So you can go to brain.fm, right? Or you can find us on iOS or Android devices. And what we can do is I can give everyone, um, we usually do three days uh, free trial for everyone to try it. But I can extend that offer um, with a special URL we can we can put in the show notes underneath. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Look for the, make sure you check out the show notes here on our page, the Copywriter Club, where we've posted this. And we'll have that offer for everybody there. Thanks, Dan. This has been this has been really really interesting. And you know, like Kira, uh, I may have to give up Frank Morgan and Winston Surf shirt and uh, you know uh, all of the music that I listen to, and actually uh, start using music to help me focus and get more done. So, yeah, and what uh, I would say too is that again, Brain FM is not trying to replace music. <laughs> You're not trying to replace holiday music. <laughs> no, 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 no. Too late. Too late. It's, it's all gone. I just, I'm tossing the CDs out in the trash well, you today. Know, if you need to do that, you can. Um, but, but when you are focusing or trying to get something, um, you know, uh, maybe having that discussion is, is better. Um, but for relaxing or for doing whatever you want, you know, holiday music is always going to be there. <laughs> Especially when you go to the grocery store. I know. I know. I'm already sick of it. But thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been great. Let's jump back in and talk about the last few minutes of this interview. So Shanti, again, there's a lot of stuff that stood out, especially, you know, as we listen to those uh, samples of music. But I know you're like really into productivity making sure that you're able to focus. Dan talked about his schedule and how he plans, uh, not just his day, but also uh, you know, focusing in on his role as a CEO. As you've built your business, like, what does your process look like for that? Well, it's all over the place because I have really young children. So I dream of the day when that morning ritual will fall into place and I'll get to sip my bulletproof matcha latte and meditate for an hour and read three chapters of a nonfiction book and, and have a workout, but that doesn't happen right now. <laughs> so, so I'm trying to optimize in really small ways. And recently, so my little dude is getting up at like five which is way too early for anyone. Oh my gosh. Although I used to get up at five on purpose, but now I'm like, no, I need sleep. So at five in the morning, what I used to do was make my coffee, get him settled, pull out my phone and just start scrolling. Check my emails. Like I would do that first thing. And one tweak I've made recently is I don't do that anymore. I'm not 
going on social media until noon. That's wow. my new rule for myself. That's, that's nice discipline. I like it. <laughs> and it's it's just so much better because I would way rather open up my e-reader and and read a bit of a book, even if I'm getting up every five minutes to like help one of my kids. It's still so much more grounding and nourishing than just scrolling through Instagram or getting right right into what I need to do that day. Yeah. One of the things that I liked about when, when Dan was talking about his schedule is just how he talked about it. It's less about managing time or tasks. And he talked about managing energy and, you know, the energy levels, you know, are you creative early? Are you creative late? You know, how do you manage the things in your day so that it matches up with the energy that you have? And I'm guessing you're probably pretty good at that. This is something that I've really had to kind of dial myself into over the last couple of years. Yeah, well, it's such a smart perspective because often we think my worth is based on how many tasks I can get done and how productive I am. So I better just get right into it. And that's so untrue. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it really comes down to not, I mean, again, how you feel like you're, you're getting up with little kids, sometimes you're not sleeping through the night or whatever. And so to get up and think, oh, my most creative time is going to be immediately in the morning may not actually be true. Or, uh, you know, maybe it's yeah. the kids throughout the day that would make you tired, right? So really dialing in and knowing how you're feeling before you figure out what it is I'm going to do today uh, or this week, um, or even, you know, maybe it's a, a monthly um, cycle or whatever that impacts, you know, how people feel. Yeah, absolutely. And, and before even, even a year ago, I would, as soon as my husband would take over with the kids and I would go into the office and get, and sit down to work. The first thing I would do is sit down to work. And now what I've started doing is I come into my office and instead of working right away, I do something, I do some form of movement. So if it's a 30 minute yoga practice or 10 minutes of high intensity interval training, doesn't really matter as long as I'm doing something that's sort of like priming my brain to be way more effective when I do sit down to work. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I also really like how, you know, as Dan approaches his business, he's starting with the guiding principles the goals, you know, what they're trying to accomplish as opposed to jumping in and, and, you know, answering emails. And I, I know that's kind of the ideal. It's like, okay, uh, you know, what are my principles? What are my values? Let's base everything on that. It's so hard to execute against that. And so regardless of, of how good we are at doing that ourselves, it's a nice reminder that our daily activities really should impact at some level, those goals that we have for ourselves and our business over, say, the next 90 days, the next year, and maybe even beyond that. Yeah, but when he's talking about 10-year goals, I don't know how this hits for you, Rob, but that is so intimidating to me. I'm like, 10 years from now, I can't even begin to imagine what that's going to look like. <laughs> yeah, well, I, part of that, I think, is probably um, just – 
you know, where we are in, in life. Right. But yeah, I can't also, I can't envision, you know, 10 years from now, am I going to be doing the same thing? I, I can't imagine that I am going to be doing the same thing. And I mean, obviously there's all kinds of evolution, but even to dream about what that evolution might be, uh, could be a, a really useful practice from time to time. Yeah. I'm definitely going to sit with it as a question because I often just maybe look ahead a year. And he's talking about like 10 years and then what are we going to do in the next three to five years? And you can see why it would be important to, to look at that, even if the reality doesn't match up when you get there, just to cast that vision of what you want to create would be so powerful. Yeah. And then as he talked about um, using sort of the red, yellow, green uh, measurement uh, rubric for you know his team and for their goals. I really like that because um, rather than assigning, yeah, it's being accomplished or yeah, we're failing like a success fail, um, it gives us an opportunity to say, okay, where can we reallocate resources or time? What can we pay attention to that we're not paying attention to? We actually do this exercise in the think tank uh, once or twice a year where we evaluate businesses um, individually, each copywriter in the think tank does this and assigns, you know, red, yellow, green on several different parts of their business. And um, occasionally people will get a scorecard that's mostly yellows and reds. And it's one of those things like, wow, I didn't realize how broken things are. But in reality, uh, what it says is, look how far we've come and we haven't yet got things perfect. We haven't yet figured it all out and imagine what it could be, you know, when the scorecard's all green. And so um, seeing him use something similar in his own business as he evaluates his team, uh, I think is, is really remarkable. And again, rather than success fail, it shows us where the opportunities are to make some, some nice improvements. Yeah, absolutely. I've done the red, yellow, green assessment in my own business and, and whenever I do it, I get super overwhelmed because <laughs> inevitably it's all, it's like, there's so much red, there's so much yellow and there's so little green, but I love your perspective on it, that that is, that signifies possibility and, and potential. Yeah, if you've got a business that's mostly reds and yellows and you're still able to pay the bills, you're still able to, you know, take weekends off, spend time with the family, you're doing something right even and there's so much opportunity to make things green. So, yeah, absolutely. Someone yesterday on a coaching call was like, "Yeah, my website, how, how important is it? How often do you update yours?" and and they're going on and I'm like, "Well, to be totally honest, I think I I made some minor minor updates." to my website after four years of not touching it just a few months ago and and nothing has burnt down so yeah i totally totally relate finally the last thing that jumped out to me from the interview is just when we we're talking with dan about where he gets his inspiration whether he's working with coaches that kind of stuff and just the idea of that i'm going to take away you know to to apply in my own business but creating that intentional space to block out time and really focus on goals as opposed to always being focused on doing the work or the copy or whatever it is, really taking that time and then getting the feedback that, that will help me from, you know, my mentors, you know, others, partners, um, and peers 
that can help us make sure that we've got the right goals and we're spending the right focus on getting those things done. So just a final takeaway that I want to apply in my business. Yeah, I love that. And how rare is it that we zoom out and look at the bigger picture and get really intentional about what goals actually matter? Like, I think, too, we have these sort of surface level goals, but really getting to the heart of what counts. For sure. Yeah. And some of those surface level goals are oftentimes other people's goals for us as opposed to even the things we care about. Exactly. Exactly. So, but you don't know that until you create some space and it's hard, it can be hard to do, especially when you're just, yeah, you're constant go, go, go. We had our recent like annual review and some of my team members were like, actually, I think it'd be really nice if we took some more pauses just to celebrate and create some space around how we can improve moving forward, what things look like moving forward, instead of just moving on to the next thing right away. That is a huge thing and something that uh, we definitely need to do in our business as well. Yeah, taking time just to, to pause, to enjoy the success and figure out what's the right next step instead of, yeah, the next thing that's on the calendar, or the, next, the next thing in, in the appointment book. Yeah, yeah. And then having having outside guidance from people that you admire, who know more than you, who can tell you like, you've got this blind spot, that's probably a red, is <laughs> so helpful. For sure. Well, we want to thank Dan Clark for joining us uh, today on the podcast. If you want to try Brain FM, we've got a special offer for you. Like Dan mentioned in the interview, normally you can go to Brain FM's website and get a three-day trial. But if you use the link in the show notes from this episode, you'll get a full 30 days to try Brain FM out for free. And if you listen to music while you write, you're probably going to find that Brain FM helps you focus. Uh, like I said, I've been using it, definitely helping me. That's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave your review of the show. And if you're ready to hang out with a couple hundred amazing copywriters in person, join us at TCC IRL in Nashville this March. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. Finally, if you've enjoyed what you heard today we want to, and you want to jump in and listen to something else that's related, we've talked about productivity with Dave Ruel on episode number 237. That's pretty much a masterclass in time maximization. You might also want to check out our interview with productivity expert Charlie Gilkey about getting things done. That's episode 178. And finally, on episode 68, we talked with Ashlyn Carter about how she gets so much done in her business. All three of those are really easy to find in your favorite podcast app. And you'll find links to those in the show notes. And don't forget to listen to episode 54, which was our interview with Shanti, my guest for today. And Shanti, thanks so much for hanging out with me. Thank you so much, Rob. It was awesome. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club yeah, can make you lots of money. Listen to the Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club can make you lots of money as long.
long as you listen through the whole damn episode.